podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello guys, welcome to the next ATP Weekly. Uh, we're going to talk about Shanghai basically because I think the last one, uh, which was with Tom, came on the... Hmm, which round of Shanghai was that? Maybe it was like um, after the second round or something like that. So basically yeah. we have the whole Shanghai tournament to cover. Uh, Mario is here. Hello Mario. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> How are you today? And uh, yeah, what, what are your sort of general feelings after Shanghai? Um, yeah, first of all, thanks. I'm, I'm quite okay. Um, well, about Shanghai, I have to say that um, everyone at some point of the tournament uh, was was talking about, you know, a lot of, let's say, ranking-wise kind of surprises, even if in the end we, we got a final with two players who had already previously won uh, a master's title both were fighting for for the second one um but uh, you know there's been a, a lot of fight in in a lot of the matches even in the final stages round four uh, i remember a lot of very tight battles and the final itself with that in deciding set tie when overall uh, i would say also a good level of tennis yesterday um so i i have enjoyed the tournament um probably i don't know before uh the tournament i was not probably expecting um this champion even if hurkac was playing um was playing good tennis lately because uh he was in the semis in cincinnati probably had a little bit of a setback in at the US Open, where everyone was kind of expecting him to have a solid result, given also the draw he, he got. Um, but then uh, a, big, a good version of Jack Draper uh, won that second round. Uh, but um, overall, he played a, a very, very good week. Also, a draw that hasn't been um, that tough, probably, till the final. Uh, but uh, at the same time, he, he faced a lot of um, dangerous players also along his road because talking about Zhang, he was playing super, super well in, at home, but also Mar Maroshan was not, uh, was not so easy like you know, some, some people can, um, can think, also thinking about some, some big wins he had in the tournament and also in general. Um, so I, I would say that uh, in the end we, we have seen a, a high level tournament in my opinion um, and I, I enjoyed it um, John was asking me about Greece <laughs> it was very fine <laughs> did you meet Maria Sakkari or yeah. Stefanos Tsitsipas or no 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 Tsitsipas was in Shanghai <laughs> Uh, okay. I haven't met, uh, met anyone. <laughs> anyone important? No. Okay. Um, yeah. Speaking of Hurkac, I actually never really realized how much of a regular he is at this state at these stages. Mm -hmm. I remember writing up a tweet um, earlier this year. I mean, earlier this week, when I said something like um, Hurkac is more or less a regular at these stages of ATP thousand events. You know, big big tournaments. And then I sort of realized, okay, that's not right. He is actually a regular at these stages, not more or less. I have to drop the more or less because it just kind of underestimates him. You know, the guy has, by now, he has reached uh, the at least the quarterfinals at eight of the nine Masters 1000 events. The other one, the only one that he hasn't uh, been so deep at is actually Rome. 
And I think with every single run like this, Shanghai, uh, obviously he also won what Miami and made the finals in Canada. So all of them on hard courts. Yeah. Uh, with every run like this, it sort of becomes even more clear that his Grand Slam record is just a huge stain on his resume. Like the fact that the guy has only been past the second round at a, on, at a hard court slam once is definitely something that like just stands out from you know what he has achieved so far and stands out in a negative way, of course. You mentioned that second round loss to uh, Draper at the US Open. Everyone is expecting more. He was sick on the day, which you know explains it. Yeah. But on the on the other hand, as as a whole, it just paints a picture of you know Hurkacz playing the main draw of eleven hardcore slams and only getting past the second round twice. And if you're someone who in the past three years has been reaching at least one ATP thousand final on hardcores, even though it's not best of five, you would still expect a lot more. So uh, that that's maybe sort of the negative takeaway from from Hurkacz's title. <laughs> no, there's no negative takeaway. It just sort of becomes even more clear that he has to. Um, yeah, that he has to start winning uh, more at the hardcore slams, given his level of performance here. And yeah, uh, as you said, I, I also think that the, the route, even though maybe it's not what we are used to in general, uh, the the guys like Maroshan, Zhang, Kokinakis in the second round as well, mm-hmm. Kokinakis who had five match points against him in Miami and also pushed him to a deciding set tiebreak in Cincinnati, that was actually a very tough uh, path to the final. Korda as well. Maybe he didn't play his best on the day in the semis, but that's an opponent that we, we will be expecting in the top 20 and, and higher very soon. So I don't think it was a, a weak title or anything. And maybe somewhat deserved, right? Because recently, since since Wimbledon, he had like three big match losses to Djokovic and Alcaraz, basically. And all of these were super tight. He actually pushed them I mean, both Djokovic at Wimbledon and also Alcaraz then twice at the Canada Cincy double. So in a way, it was uh, it was kind of, um, you know, out there waiting for him, I guess. And yeah, what do you think about in general, like about Hurkacz's form since Wimbledon? You know, has Not he yet, been like one uh, of the best players in the world? You know, top eight uh, tennis. Is that is that true? Yeah, talking about the, the tight matches you were talking about, especially mm-hmm. the Cincinnati one, because yeah. it was a semi and he was actually really, really close to win that one. Uh, not just up in the score, but uh, really, really close. Um, I think he also had match point, if, I, if I'm not wrong. But uh, he still was really, really close. Um, and so, you know, uh, probably we could have talked about um, an even bigger thing. Because, yeah, Djokovic in the final, but even winning that match, reaching another final... Uh, you know, basically, uh, he is very regular in this stage uh, at tournaments of this level, 1000, and especially on hardcourts, he also has, uh, you know, that peak level uh, to to have his chances and to um, to get troubles to um, uh, you know to a lot of um, higher ranked player also semis uh, for example in Miami after winning the title in 2021 he actually got there and reached the semi uh, so he you know he also had a lot of uh, pretty solid results a deciding set tiebreak in Paris semi-final against Djokovic in 2021 um, so yeah talking about uh, post Wimbledon and I will actually consider Wimbledon because uh, he he played really a really good match against Djokovic um, in that was a round four um, so a solid result in itself and also playing very well in in the round of 16 um, well uh, I have to say yes that he is probably one of uh, of the best eight players uh, giving this uh, giving this run so far, but in fact we are seeing this also also in the ATP race, where at some point he seemed like you know mm, having no no real chances this year, and suddenly he is eleventh. But we, uh, I would say that with with good chances, because also considering, for example, Zverev is out. Um, already this week in Tokyo, uh, Rune is playing a, a 250 event and is not in the best form right now. Um, 
so basically the fight is is really open and after uh, let's say a, a shaky first first half of the year uh, he 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 has really taken us um a step up uh, his level was really really good this um this let's say week 10 days and both from from you know the tennis point of view and also mentally um, and that has really made the difference in making him play well match after match for uh, you know this this long master event um, so well i would say that uh, at this point i i won't be surprised if he he manages to to starting getting closer and closer um, we should also you know um think about the consistency probably consistently week after week after week has not been one of the biggest things about him um but at the same point yes he he has actually uh, i would say especially best of three since the you know all the things we were talking about the slams uh, a very very high peak level um also serving that way helps a lot and probably i don't know if this can be the reason why he he's been more affecting of best on three than best of five probably the serve uh, can make um you know even a bigger difference when when the match is uh, doesn't last that long probably you know uh as you as you went you know fourth fifth set the serve can um i don't know at times can you you can be fatigued a little bit or also the long match mentally can impact you um i don't know but probably this can be one of the reasons why he he's been way more effective at um uh, at masters level than than slams mm, i don't know also probably also the fact that in slams uh, no i wouldn't say that i was thinking about slams being you know more field of for example djokovic and all this stuff but basically losing first second third round uh this doesn't make sense so yeah this is the only explanation i can i can give right now yeah, I mean, w with time, the serve can also be read a bit easier. So, you know, maybe there's something there, um, possibly. Yeah, the, the ATP race definitely opens up for him. And you're kind of right that, you know, in the first half of the year, it was just mediocre for him. And this is the sort of result that just changes the whole perspective of your season. Because suddenly we're talking about a, a really good year for Hubert Gurkacz, even though before yeah. Shanghai we'd be saying... It's just average, bang on average, you know, it, it's fine. It's nothing special. Whereas right now we're just, okay, well, 2023 was good. Yeah, he almost made the ATP finals or maybe he made the ATP finals. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 335 points away from Rune. But as you said, he's playing at 250. He is generally not too healthy recently. Um, Zverev is out, but Zverev is probably going to be safe, I, I would assume. There's uh, Taylor Fritz, Kasper Ruud, neither of them really in their at their best at the moment. Still, 335 points to Rune. Like, you actually have to earn these points, which isn't yeah. that easy. Uh, still, there are 2,000 up for grabs for Hurkacz, Tokyo, Basel, and Paris. But earning 300 isn't that easy. Obviously, it's just one, 300, let's say, 500 final and then change. But at the same time, you also have to do better than all of these guys, Fritz, Ruth, um, Rune. So basically, there where I see it, you know, I'm not really putting any pressure on it. Um, if he makes it, fine. He definitely has a shot, but it's not going to be easy. Uh, he also plays Zhizhen Zhang again in the first round in yeah. Tokyo, which right. just smells like such a trap in the opening round, 100%. You know, they, they've just had a fantastic match in Shanghai. Probably the toughest, well, the toughest moment of the week, I guess, was the deciding set tiebreak against Rublev, but um, otherwise also against Zhang. The moment also when Hurkacz was like the most frustrated the whole week, you know, throwing his racket around and talking to his uh, coach like constantly. So I, I, I do wonder how this match is going to look in Tokyo because it just seems like a very tight affair that I, mm -hmm. I have no, zero confidence that Hurkacz is going to pull through it. 
Um, and and yeah, regarding just maybe uh, more regarding his week. yeah, let's say uh, talking just about the race, uh, uh -huh. just one little moment. I would say yeah, go ahead. even if even if not playing at his best lately, but um, a big chance is for Taylor Fritz because he has on his racket the chance to overcome Rune. Uh, if he wins Tokyo, he will be number eight regardless of Rune's result in uh, in Stockholm. So. Mm, you know, even if but not he plays playing Kamori that, in the first yeah, game. no, of course, but you, you know, he can he he has the things on his rockets, even if yeah, the draw is pretty stuck uh, there because of all these players fighting for uh, for the the spot in Turin being there. Uh, so yeah, Cameron Nori not seated um, at this tournament is. Yes, yeah, still Nori has dropped a bit in the ranking, not playing very, very good lately, but still means that the tournament is uh, is a very high-level one. And in fact, Hurkacz is also not seeded at this event, so yeah, right. uh, that kind of tells you, tells you uh, all. And then, yeah, even if he beats drunk, he's going to play Tiafor Karatsev in the second round. So that's the, yeah, right. that's the quality that we're talking about. And yeah, just maybe uh, speaking a little bit more on his run, uh, you know, the serve, we sort of always... Talk, don't really talk about it because it's obvious that it's going to be good. But this week it was actually just ridiculous every time. Like the ace rates just fluctuated between 17 and 24%, which means that, you know, more or less he was um, every five service points, he was getting an ace, lots of unreturns, uh, unreturned service as well, of course. And off the ground, he was actually playing some very solid tennis, often attacking with the forehand. You know, pretty easily shifting from inside out to inside in, things that he usually has issues with. He was managing to do that. He was man man managing to defend quite well as well. And yeah, let's just maybe talk for, about the final for, uh, for a little moment. Uh, honestly, from the start of set two, it seemed like Rublev is the much better player. Like, he just has this high percentage low uh, high margin of error um, offense right he just sort of spreads the court well he doesn't risk all that much when dictating and against Hurkacz that's really good because well he is a decent mover for his height for sure mm. and he is good on the defense but generally you know he, it's still not the most efficient movement athleticism you can see on the tour and yeah so, even so if Rublev, I would say mm -hmm. that his defense is annoying I would call yeah. that because when he he reaches those ball and slices that ball. Um, can be really annoying as a, as as a defense. <laughs> for yeah, for what I the, see, that forty shot rally against Maroshan, right, where he hits like the forehand squash shot like four times. Yeah. Obviously, eventually it's Fabi uh, hitting the volley into the net and a very simple put away. But but still, yeah, that that that's probably the best example. And um, yeah, he just sort of held on despite that, right? He held on in the third set. Actually, was the first one to cause issues at 5-4. Uh, Rublev had to save a match point. Eventually, Hurkacz had to save a match point. But that, that stretch from 2-5 down in the tiebreaker was another very good patch, right, from uh, from the pole. And also, he actually ended up being stronger mentally than, than Rublev in these most important moments. Yeah, let's say that uh, I think that the, the moment of the match that, uh, mm -hmm. that really made the difference in the end because... Um, it's been the beginning of the third set because there I felt like um, Rublev was playing much better, was on the verge yeah. of, of breaking and probably um, yeah, he actually had a break point but also some 30-all situations uh, went to deuce another time um, and Urkacz still being there and holding those first service games then put him in the conditions to, to put up the fight in the end of the set. And so you were mentioning the match point uh, in the 10th game, uh, which Rublev saved with an ace, so basically no real chance. But um, still, you know, one point away from winning even before the tiebreak. And then, yes, the tiebreak started with, um, with Rublev going up in the score. Uh, but still... The, those two two holes that he he had from five two down five four um, probably other two you know very important point those two because then uh, of course Rublev played uh, um, lost one of the two following points on serve and then the fight one point from another 
Urkacz was serving better in the final stretch of the tiebreak, even if overall uh, Rublev served very good too throughout the match. Um, and yeah, then, you know, he's also been resilient in those last points, even when Rublev was serving, uh, uh, trying to stay in the rally. Um, and in the end, it paid. But those games at the beginning of the set, when Rublev was feeling like the, the better player, really on the verge of breaking, uh, that moment have really, you know, uh, changed a little bit uh, what could have been, uh, you know, an easier third set for, for the Russian. Yeah, yeah, I, I do agree with that, definitely. Until like middle of set three from the beginning of second set two, uh, Rulev was very close to breaking a lot of the time. Well, maybe not to breaking, but to like creating break points. Uh, he was serving much better, returning much better, but yeah, then Hurkacz got the reward for holding on and eventually managed to take it in the tiebreak. Maybe one more thing about Hurkacz is that he's now 7-1 and one in ATP Tour mm. Finals. That sort of stat is probably somewhat surprising, right? I mean, four of these are 250s. And generally speaking, the quality of the opposition he's faced has been like, it's been good, but not Alcaraz Djokovic, sort of like. <laughs> whereas, uh, whereas. Oh, yeah, that's know, right. But, but, Even but he has for played example. Medvedev, right? Karenio Busta, Rublev. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's right. Still, still solid, solid opponents. Uh, yeah. You know, Sinner wasn't the 2023 Sinner, so probably you know, but but still he he's done really really good in those finals. Also won the first set in the final he lost uh, against Carreño Busta, but uh, even that one in Canada, um, I I felt like he played well. Carreño Busta played an amazing match that day. Uh, basically, yeah, he he knows how to do in these circumstances. I don't know if. Uh, as his career um, goes on, he he still will be you know that effective in finals. But uh, as as a start, I think that he he is not able to co to complain on that one. Yeah, with more sample size, we can expect it to lower. Uh, but uh, I mean, to 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 just go down. But um, still, that's that that's still an excellent record, and uh, maybe he hasn't played like the top of the top, but he, as you said, he played Medvedev, he played Sinner, he played Rublev. What else do you really want? 7-1 is, is definitely uh, impressive regardless of that. Um, yeah, let, let's maybe talk about Andrei Rublev. There was actually a stream uh, earlier this week where I said that the only boring result of Shanghai, and that was at a point where I think five or six players were left in the event, I said that the only boring result of Shanghai would be for Andrei Rublev to win the title. And I know in a way it would it wouldn't be because you know he, he only got his first ATP thousand, his first big title this year, and also that would be the second one. Uh if you miss pa Pablo Carreño Busta, by the way, Jane, I mean he is playing, sort of. He did appear in two challengers just um the past couple of weeks. One of them he lost to Cazo, one of them he lost to Martinez, so still lacking a win, but you know, he is back, he is playing. He is healthy. He's going to be in Vienna and uh, Paris as well. So um, you can definitely watch him in a, in a week. I don't think he's playing in the, on this particular uh, week, though. Anyway, um, what was I talking about? Uh, yeah, Andrei Rublev. I said that this was going to be like the only boring uh, thing because I feel like if Andrei Rublev won this, we wouldn't really have learned anything. There wouldn't be a huge story. And um, it's a shame that I feel this way. <laughs> but, you know, Andrei Rublev has demonstrated on many occasions that if he can... Um, like, if the draw opens up a little bit, he is very capable of taking these opportunities. Almost did, of course. And you could sort of maybe question whether uh, Rublev or... Uh, wh wh whether whether getting Hurkacz in the final is the draw opening up or not. But it also makes me kind of wonder, because it seems like Sinner, Rune, Alcaraz... They still aren't, you know, at that level where they're going to be competing for these titles and like sort of taking them every single time. Djokovic's scheduling is gonna be, well, let's say, not um, more frequent than this year, from now on, not from now onwards probably. Also, Medvedev, I mean, he has his weaker patches issues too. So I wonder if like the next two years or so 
aren't going to be the perfect opportunity for Rublev to keep picking up these bigger titles even. Because, yeah, it just seems like the, the younger generation is not quite there yet. And, and this might be a real opening for him, a real window. Yeah, especially when you're talking about winning titles week in, week out. For example, we've seen uh, with uh, even with Alcaraz sometimes from Madrid to Rome, but for yeah. example, Sinner in China after Beijing from, from Shanghai. So yeah, you're absolutely right on that. Um, well, uh, I still would say that this year, uh, Rublev, I, I feel that he has taken a little step forward uh, comparing from the, the past seasons. Uh, he lost this one, but in my opinion, among the four uh, Masters finals he played, this one was the, um, the best performance quality-wise uh, among the four because I don't, I don't remember a, uh, an incredible performance in Monte Carlo this year. It was more of, of you know, a tension and physical uh, stuff to, to make the difference in the end. Um, while this time I, I don't have really the feeling that he, even if we, uh, you know, we, we see some breakdowns or something like that, but I still wouldn't feel this time that, uh, he, he didn't manage the, the emotions well in terms of how they impacted him. Um, of you know of the, the the level of play, uh, I think that he uh, this time he played um, a good level final against Hurkacz, who who had uh, a great performance, I would say. Um, yeah, probably one point could have uh, in that tiebreak could have been handled better. He did the backhand mistake, but overall, uh, I think that he. he he played, he played a good match overall. And what I know about him is that he... Yeah, he, he's not an up-and-down player in terms of the, um, the results. Yeah, he has some losses. For example, the Canada-Cincinnati stretch was not, uh, was not good for him. But overall, if you consider a big picture of three, four months, he, he basically always able... Um, to to use some of the chances he he gets, um, you know, was one point away from winning two Masters title in the same season. Um, so he he definitely he's able to, um, yeah, to to be there when the when the draw opens up um, a little bit, and so that's why I think that he. He also has has his chances to uh, to get a second one. I don't know when, but uh, I think that uh, right now we can have a chance. Uh, as for you know the tennis world is, uh, and I still think that um, his you know his great surface and condition versatility uh, can help him a lot using this these chances because it seems like you know, surfaces, slow, fast condition, doesn't really matter for him yeah. in, you know, being able to go deep at tournaments, even if I still think that on clay he has something more, probably also because the, uh, you know, um, uh, on hard there is much more um, competition among these top 10, 15 players. Um, but yeah, Overall, I think that for, for how things stand right now, he he has his chance to to get the second one. Yeah, yeah. I actually I actually think so too. Um I, I also wish we get the Alcaraz Rublev match, which we haven't seen yet, right? Uh but yeah, I, I, I maybe sort of agree that on clay I would say he has maybe greater consistency. But if he is actually going to play a match against one of the top guys, I maybe like his chances on hard more. But but yeah, that, that versatility of his that you mentioned, like of the big events, maybe Wimbledon is the only one where we're like, okay, not really treating him as a contender to win the whole thing. And uh otherwise he's always there. He's always as as Jane says also, he plays every week virtually. So he is always there to you know to capitalize on opportunities. He does it well, and um, yeah, I, I actually think that with the way the tennis landscape looks right now, it is going to be quite possible for him to be um, yeah just just 
have a shot at claiming one more, two more big titles soon because it just seems like the young guys aren't as consistent yet and like Djokovic isn't going to be uh, playing more, for example, right? He's still going to skip a fair amount of, of big tournaments. So, uh, and of yeah, course, he's also going to get again, worse. Uh-huh. You know, I know that the, the vaccination thing impacted this number a lot, but he played three hardcore masters in the last three years. Yeah. Uh, two of them being Paris 2021 and 2022. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, yeah. N- not, not being allowed to play the Sunshine Double. Yeah, yeah, of course. Impacts it. Also, Canada Cincy, right? But like he, he is going to play maybe a little bit more due to that. But yeah, he's still going to skip a significant amount of events. I was also, um, you know, John says that I should unilaterally choose a Jakub Bobro player of the week. Honestly, it's very tough because all of the challengers, all of the challenger winners from last week, I think could easily do. Uh, yeah. But by the power vested in me by the state of John Silk, I will actually go for uh, Gabriel Diallo, I think, just because he won the uh, most important uh, event for Jakub. So uh, the Bratislava challenger, mm. um, that was the event where Jakub was a ball boy as a kid. Then he also visited it a, a lot of times as a, as a fan, as a press member. Uh, that was also the event where I met him in 2022. Uh, so I know this was a very, like, like this was his home, you know, this was his uh, his home event. Uh, that was the, the one tournament that excited him the most during the calendar year. So I think uh, we kind of have to go for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabriel Diallo, the uh, the former college player who stopped, well, went pro last year, of, co- of course, um, and sort of put himself in such a good position in the second half of 2022, then didn't really follow it up. But he had an excellent performance at Davis Cup last year, yeah. um, last month. Now he also finds a challenger title, his second one after last year, which I think he won in Granby over Yuncheng Shang back then. And now he also gets it in Bratislava. Huge event, challenger 125, very tough uh, road to the title. You've got Dominic Thiem in the second round. You've got Lucas Klein in the quarters. You've got someone I'm forgetting right now in the semis and Yoris Delors in the final. <laughs> uh, who was it in the semis? Jesus, Delors beat Nardi and Diallo beat um, Martin Dam. So maybe maybe a little yeah. easier there. But um, obviously, yeah, beating team was huge, even though maybe the match was honestly not that good quality. But the final performance from Diallo was very mature as well. Maybe this is a sign that, you know, he's getting the experience. He's getting, um, yeah, he's making use of all the things he has picked up on the tour. And I know Jakub would have enjoyed it too, because last year we did um, get the chance, of course, to to follow uh, Diallo's um, rise and yeah, how he won Granby, which was a huge surprise, then followed it up with a final in Fairfield as well, losing to Mike Mo. So, um, so I think that's that's what I'm gonna choose here, even though yeah, any challenger winner could do literally. And um, yeah, regarding Rublev, uh, what was he supposed to talk about? Oh, I saw an interesting tweet from uh, one mm-hmm. of our talking tennis uh, members, Srihari. Uh, who uh, said that, well, Daniel Medvedev has 20 titles and has never defended one, and Andrei Rublev has 14, wow. and he also has never defended one, and yet no one talks about it. And I think it's just, you know, a difference of expectations. The fact Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, uh, because Medvedev for example, more, right? Yeah, and, about Medvedev is also that, you know, you think that he can be able to defend also a big title. Or yeah. not defend, but we need a second time. For example, a second since yeah, yeah. title. It, yeah, that, that's a how I meant it. A second title yeah, in Shanghai. Um, and so I, I think that that's why, you know, there's um, more talk about uh, Medvedev than, than Rublev. Because, you know, if Rublev wins Shanghai this year, I don't know if he wins it a second time. Even if, you know, I, um, I have a lot of esteem, but... Uh, as for Medvedev, I think that it's it's a different stuff. Uh, you, you would expect him to win, you know, a second one, uh, a second time, at least one of the hardcore, let's say, masters or or even five hundred events. Yeah, and I actually think that Shrihari should be happy that people are treating Medvedev and Rublev like that because he is a Daniel <laughs> fan. And that only tells you that people hold him in a higher sort of category, that people simply expect more from Medvedev. People care more about whether he wins a yeah. he wins a title for the second time or not. So, so for, yeah, I think for me, if I was a Medvedev fan, that would actually be uh, you know a positive thing that that people are treating him like this. 
Yeah, and um, considering mm-hmm. that he won, he won once in Miami, once in Shanghai, once in Cincinnati, once in Canada, once Paris. He won the ATP final. So, you know, he, he won almost all the big events on hardcore, the US Open. And you would expect that sooner or later, uh, a second title on one of these tournaments can, can come. <laughs> Let's see. Sean is asking if there's any link between Medvedev complaining about the court and how he does in the know. tournament. Probably not, honestly. Like he complains about every court, it seems recently. But you know, Indian Wells, he was obviously very angry about that and saying that it's not hard court. He makes the final, right? He gets outplayed by Carlos terribly, but yeah, he he still makes the final. Rome, obviously, in the past he was complaining about that court a lot. I don't know if this year. But he made, he wins the title there. So probably no, uh, I wouldn't say so. Although he, he did uh, have some things to say, of course, about Shanghai. And that's an event he won in 2019. So he didn't feel like it was playing similarly this year. Probably more the balls than the court. But yeah, he, did, he didn't end up, of course, uh, going deep. Ended up losing to Korda, who has been a troubling matchup for him. How is Karen Kachanov doing? I didn't get to see any of his matches. Well, after the after the title that he won in um, what was it, Zhuhai or Chengdu? Zhuhai, right? Zhuhai. Uh, he, yes. he played a couple of more events, lost to Dimitrov in Shanghai third round, and you can actually watch him tomorrow against uh, Alexei Popirin in Tokyo. Although I wonder if with your time zone it's gonna be reasonable, maybe. Actually, maybe it's early enough that you can still catch it before going to bed. <laughs> maybe. Um, I, I suppose Asia might be might be tough for you, but. Uh, we'll see. And um, yeah, Andrei Rublev, anything else left on him? Or No, I would say that right now, I think that considering all the, the results in the big events, I would say that uh, the five guys who I would think that kind of deserve to be in the top five right now, it's, you know, as the ranking says. Yeah, Zverev sort of lost his right to be there with losing to Safirin and Thompson two events in a row. I know Safirin had a peak performance. I actually didn't get to see the, oh, yeah, the match against sure. Thompson. But yeah, he kind of lost his uh, right to be called a top five player, I think, <laughs> with, his last, <laughs> with his last two losses. Uh, but yeah, also one, maybe one more thing about Rublev is that, of course, this is now his, uh, this was his fourth ATP 1000 final. He now has a 1-3 mm. record, losing to Zverev, Tsitsipas and Hurkac. And also, if he if he won the title, he would have qualified for the um, ATP finals. But he's gonna be there anyway. Yeah. Like it, it would no. be an extremely rough statistical combination. Yes, exactly. Yeah, in order to keep him out. Um, yeah. So let's chat about some other players in Shanghai. Of course, the finalists weren't the only one. Uh, weren't the only ones. Grigor Dimitrov made the semis and he actually finally got a huge win, right? Because earlier this year we were yeah. talking about him being very consistent, winning almost all his opening rounds, but he was always losing to Alcaraz, Zverev, Sinner, Medvedev, Djokovic. I think a combined 0 and 11 against them. So mm-hmm. actually out of like 18 losses this year, I think, for Dimitrov, 11 of them have come against these players. You can probably add Rublev to that group as well, honestly. Because, like, why not? He, as we just stated, he is pretty much up there with, like, the five, six best players in the world. So, yeah, out of 19, I think, losses this year, uh, Ruble, uh, Dimitrov has lost tw- 12 times to all, all the guys who are ranked, well, let's say in the in the top six in the ATP race, yes. right? So that's that's pretty crazy. And, yeah, what did you think of, you know, Dimitrov's run and also how he finally got no, over yes. the line? With, with I, I would still say the same, that for me, the only thing that, that lacks is a title at any level uh, yeah. this season. Um, of course, we are talking about uh, a very, let's say, good and consistent season because he's producing good results. Uh, finally got a big win over Alcaraz. Uh, also after being set down so you know playing playing good tennis uh, Alcaraz didn't didn't play really really good but um, he he still uh, you know unlocked a kind of an achievement that this year um, needed to um, to produce uh, at this point of the season he never had so many top 10 wins uh, only in 2017 handed up with more wins, but uh, five of them were during the ATP finals. Um, I still would say that, uh, you know, he, 
he needs to to get this title. It's too it's too much. Uh, ATP Finals 2017, this last title for the way he plays for uh, you know also the fact that he is a threat because um, you know yeah th this win against Alcaraz, but uh, against all these players also you know ranked six, seven, eight, uh, twelve. He he is a threat. Uh, for for them, um, managed to to beat him um, quite quite consistently this year. Because if we exclude this win over Alcaraz, he he has other four top ten wins over you know Tiafo when he was ten. Uh, but uh, so let's say all these let's say tier two uh, players. Um, yeah, he has been back in a final this year. He was in Geneva, lost to Jade. Uh, but overall, I would say that very good season. Nice to see him playing this well. Uh, but, you know, he, for me, he needs this title uh, to, to make this season worthy of being compared to, to one of he, his best seasons. Because um, the consistency of, of the results is there up with he you know his best seasons on tour but when you are going to compare then you have some you know some titles to rely on uh, let's not talk about 2017 because uh, probably it's uh, you know it's not in contention because when you win uh, a master when you win the ATP final um, but even for example season like 2014 um you know, I, I think that a title needs to, to be won by him. Yeah, I, I do feel like he's been playing better than his results suggest. You mm. know, the fact that he's like 16th in the ATP race, you've got guys like Rude, Paul, Deminor, Kachanov, Tiafo ahead of him. Like, I think he could literally be higher up than most of them uh, in the rankings for me. But the fact is he hasn't gotten these runs. He hasn't gotten these results. You could probably say that it's due to drawings where I've seen Alcaraz, Djokovic, Medvedev early. Yes, a lot of the time it is. But uh, yeah, it's good for him that he finally got the win. Also followed it up by beating Jari. I think it's mm. nice that he didn't actually lose in the first match after beating Alcaraz. But yeah, certainly uh, there were a few moments in the Rublev semifinal that he will be regretting and and this felt like a big opportunity for Dimitrov as well. In fact, if we got a final like Dimitrov-Hurkacz, like both guys would be in a very similar boat in terms of if they win the title, they actually start having chances at reaching the ATP finals, which um, before Shanghai was not really a possibility, didn't seem like a possibility for either, basically. Um, yeah, and also we had the two Americans in, you know, who went very deep in Shelton and Korda. I feel like maybe you could even, you know, talk about them at the same time, basically. They had this ridiculous quarterfinal between each other. Korda, very strong three weeks, maybe with some regrets against Hurkacz in how tense he was. And, you know, closing out matches, still an issue for him. It was in the Astana final. It was against Serundolo. It was against um, uh, Shelton as well. And Shelton, finally, his season is not just about two events. It's now about three events. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, uh, starting with Shelton, I think that he, it's important to, to, to judge his season because, yeah, having good runs at slams just speaks for, you know, for itself. But also having followed up the, the US Open result with, um, with a good run in Shanghai, um, yeah, feels feels um, you know important to start talking about some kind of consistently in the past weeks um, in terms of the results got uh, some very good wins um, you know especially the win uh, against Sinner um, and about that win I I like the fact that you know he basically was outplayed in the first set. But still, you know, uh, he um, probably Sinner helped him a little bit at the beginning of the second set, but he has been able to um, to stay there in the toughest moment of the match and uh, being able to win the necessary um, games in order to to start the fight. 
to start the fight point by point against Yannick. And, and then, you know, uh, he, he came up winning and that was a very important one. Uh, also because, um, you know, it was uh, also by far, uh, let's say, the, the biggest win in terms of ranking. There's also Rude number five in Cincinnati 2022, but uh, I consider this one way more important. Um, um, yeah, so just, let's say, something that um, consolidates my judge about him that with the weapon he has on um, on his game, he, he is going to be to be able to to stay there. I I don't know how. Um, I still don't have a clear idea about how up. Uh, I would say, but we are talking about the top twenty right now, and the top twenty su suits him uh, for for the weapons he has, and even a little more. Uh, as for Corda. Uh, the season is difficult to judge um, because he got injured in the moment of the biggest form uh, for him in Australia uh, during the quarterfinal. Um, and this probably, you know, no, without probably this uh, had a huge impact in his season, in my opinion. Um, especially, for example, the Sunshine Double uh, could have been uh, a good stretch of the year for him also. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's difficult to judge his season overall, but this Master semi-final finally achieved is important, of course, uh, to, to put him up there again, uh, now close to, to a top 20 that, um, you know, seems like, uh, also feels like weird that he, he never... Uh, he has never been there for the way, you know, we, we have judged his tennis because his tennis is um, crazy good. Um, very solid weeks. Uh, so, yeah, I would say that these two guys um, gave another proof on what they are, they are able to do. Um, still, probably, we want to learn a little more, probably, but, uh, you know, it's a certification of their very good value yeah and i think corda you know especially in a year where he has been injured for three months then had weak performances at the last three slams the fact that he's still sort of out there and maybe potentially could still break the top 20 um that's actually probably the best example of the fact that he will be positioned very well for 2024 there is going to be that of course in in january he defends a lot of points 150 at, in adelaide and also 360 at the australian open but after that after these drop basically nothing until queens so um yeah a healthy corda in 2024 could easily do may uh, like make that sort of improvement that we pictured for him after january yeah. this year and uh, Shelton, I think he was perhaps even more impressive because we're still learning a bit more about him. This is actually just the fourth time he won uh, consecutive matches this year mm -hmm. after the US Open, Australian Open and the Challenger in Cagliari. So uh, that's quite wild. But as, as we sort of stated also at the US Open, this really takes the pressure off of him at the Australian Open. The fact that he got more points, uh, you know, in New York and also now in Shanghai, another nice gain. That's not gonna like th there was a point this year, and actually, it was most of the season where it seemed like at the Australian Open, Ben Shelton might even be fighting. I mean, at the Australian Open 2024, might even be fighting to like stay in the top 100 or something around yeah, that. Yes. And right now, it's not really a thing anymore. He's still gonna be high up in the rankings, which is great because he's gonna be able to get their pressure free, get a seeding as well, get a pretty high seeding. So, um, yeah, I think both of them are really well positioned and. Honestly, if they are the top two Americans ranked at the end of 2024, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, Taylor Fritz, yeah, it would require I, I usually a lot of consider, consistency. Yeah, I usually consider the, the top 24 seeds uh, the important cut for the slams. Because, because you're not you playing the top eight seeds. Top eight the seeds, you round. avoid round three with them. Um, yeah. yeah, until the fourth round. So... Um, I, I usually consider that cut as 
probably even more important than the 16, 15, because yeah. for me, it's, it's basically, it basically doesn't change that much. Uh, yeah, as, as I said for Dimitrov, now for them it's time to win, to win some title. <laughs> but, but overall, they, they certified a very, a very good, very good uh, level of tennis, yeah. Yeah, Ben still hasn't made the final at the ATP level. Of course, um, he has sort of done better with the slam runs, but yeah, he still hasn't made the final. Korda obviously has one, but uh, yeah, his final record recently hasn't been excellent. And that's perhaps partially due to his mental struggles as well, which certainly are still uh, a thing. Uh, any other players from Shanghai? Fabian Maroshan making the quarters. That was obviously a huge story. I think during the most recent ATV Weekly, uh, me and Tom were discussing the possibility of him playing Kasper Ruth in the fourth round. Uh, mm. So that was after his third win. So since then, we only got that win over Ruth and the match against Hurkac. But but that was pretty insane as well, right? The, the week that he had, and especially on hard courts where he doesn't have all that much experience even. Yeah, but, uh, you know, he proved that he, he has those ridiculous ground strokes that... Uh, you know, can, can be amazing for 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 all the courts. Uh, yeah. So yeah, and usually the hard court is you know a, a surface that uh, in which these um, these ground strokes usually pay. Uh, so so yeah, um, no real reason to to really doubt his yeah. ability to play well on this. Uh, on these courts, and I also, of course, liked a lot the the whole Zizhenzhang story uh, with the Chinese the tournament in China with the Chinese fans in Shanghai. I really liked that. Uh, you know, also those wins he got. For example, the match against Echeverry was also um, a nice moment of the tournament. With um, you know, for all that meant for. Um, the hometown story and uh, so i guess that that run was also was also nice to watch and also the match against um and against urkac also which was the match that closed the run was also pretty pretty tight and so he he went off the court with a good impression um yeah i would say that um, in total honesty i i kind of had fun during this tournament because there has been a lot of um yeah a lot of good stuff and also fight round round by round uh, a lot of you know um, anticipated matches didn't disappoint uh talking about you know Corda Shelton but also Shelton against Sinner the final itself um so basically my my judgment over Shanghai is 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 very good uh also because for me you know it uh we we don't end up um with number one seed against number two seed in the final for you know for having me judging positively and an event so i'm i'm pretty much satisfied with what i um i saw and i actually you know um uh, clo closed this tournament with the um, the thought that the tour is in a good state right now uh, as for the things I I saw, um, talking about you know how deep is the field, uh, how many players can can do well, um, and yeah, usually we kind of had this perspective on clay lately, but we're starting to get a very good perspective on this even on hardcourt with these players, you know, this ranking 20, 30, 40. Um, this tier of players. So I'm, I'm really satisfied with what Shanghai told me. Yeah, uh, definitely a pretty fresh lineup compared to some of the other ATP thousands or big events that we've had. Yeah, just, just maybe to touch on Maroshan and Zhang. Indeed, there's no reason why Maroshan shouldn't be doing well in such <laughs> conditions. I mean, the serve maybe, uh, but mm. over the first four matches, he was serving extremely well. Probably some of the best serving I've seen from him in terms of getting um, unreturned serves, aces, not just setting up the first forehand after the serve, which is more what what on clay it probably you know what what the aim is is more um, more like on clay. Um, the drop shot he cannot really use it as effectively, but you know he is a magician. He will still um, turn it up a few times. 
Um, generally, I, I've had this feeling recently that the players that I most like watching are just the ones that sort of play in a way that wouldn't be possible for any other player. So the players that sort of make you go, oh, wow, every single five minutes. And that could be, you know, Adrian Manarino, for example. Like he, mm -hmm. he's playing a way that no one would ever be, um, you know, any good at, but um, no one else. Uh, but at the same time, you can go for some ridiculous shot makers like Maroshan, Vatanuki. Uh, yeah, just guys who basically are so unique because an anyone else trying to play like that, trying to play this aggressively, take the ball this early, would simply fail. And uh, yeah, it was it was super fun, of course, watching Maroshan. Maybe the serve didn't really hold up against Hurkacz. Hurkacz was in so many return games. It was al also yeah. uh, almost like not watching Hurkacz. You know, basically every single Maroshan game was he was in trouble. And and that's uh, that's quite surprising for the poll in 2023. And Ji Zhang, as you said, that was quite a magical run. The fact that he was the first Chinese player to go this deep in Shanghai. Also, you know, before this year, he he had six appearances at this event, never winning a match, not even mm -hmm. in the qualifying. But it, since there were four years since the last edition, I mean, we sort of knew that he made such progress that it's not really gonna better. And these conditions were great for him. I think anytime he gets like. A fast court and heavy balls that's really good for him uh you know madrid yeah. obviously he was so good at um i, I think these sort of conditions are, are really perfect for the fact that he can just blast through anything anyway and at the same time is, is just so aggressive too and uh yeah he played a great match against hurkacz as well so uh, excited for the for the rematch and next week maybe let's just briefly you know five minutes talk about uh what's about to happen we have the 500 in tokyo which we already sort of mentioned I have to say that a couple of other um, beautiful first round matches, other than Zhang and Hurkacz and um, Fritz Nori, which we already mentioned, mm. are 4 a.m. tomorrow for me. The Minor Draper. I wonder if I can oh, wake up for that. Oh, 4 a.m. No. <laughs> yeah, and for you as well. I mean, I wonder if I can wake up for that. Today you had to wake up at five, right? So you actually sort of have, you know, experience doing that already. And Draper Deminor, of course, that, that was a matchup at Wimbledon last year, which was okay. I think we expected slightly more from Jack there, but it was actually a pretty good match anyway. And also Vatanuki Root, that's an mm. obvious highlight of the round as well. And, and a match where Root is instantly in trouble, as usual, when Vatanuki plays a top seed. And yeah, um, um, mm -hmm. Schwarzman kind of had a, a bit of a resurgence in, yeah. in Shanghai. Mm, yeah, was one of the, of the player I, I was still thinking about the players okay. in Shanghai, and that was one player that now came to my mind because I was thinking about who was playing in in Tokyo. Uh, Best week in a while, right? Definitely. Yeah, and in a while. So first top ten, first top ten win since April 2022. Yeah, and exactly what he was hoping for when choosing that sort of scheduling mm. path. Uh, when he yeah. decided to play the ATP events, don't go to South America and play the Clay Challengers. That's what he was hoping for, like a big run. It doesn't get him into the Australian Open yet, but if he can keep playing like that, maybe. I mean, he plays France Rundolo mm -hmm. in Tokyo first round. Maybe that's a possibility as well. And also, by the way, I forgot to mention that we uh, talked about some dark, dark horses in Shanghai two weeks ago, right? When when we had the draw. Oh, Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we actually mentioned Zhang, Hurkacz, uh, not Maroshan, but uh, Umber. Umber was also in the quarters. So yeah, you know, you, you guys. Yeah, know I, I was, I was close. Too. I was close to getting, you know, to getting the the Arnaldi run. Uh, I was talking about Arnaldi and Poppy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was a disappointing loss for sure. Uh, like for for a set and a half, it looked like he would just cruise to another win against Wolf. Mm -hmm. And then there was a possibility as well, I guess, for Arnaldi to keep going, right? Maybe against Umber. I mean, he sh I'm sure he would have done better than Wolf. Let's let's say mm. that. Uh, it, it would have been hard to do worse than JG Wolf against uh, Ugo Umber in the <laughs> forefront. And uh, yeah, there's also a couple of 250s in Antwerp mm. and Stockholm. So last year, the Stockholm final was Rune over Tsitsipas. Now they are both the top seeds. How is it possible? It's possible because Tsitsipas yeah, okay. has moved to Antwerp and um, Rune has stayed in Stockholm. Rune like significantly outranks the field in Stockholm, but of course with his issues recently, it's there's really no telling if he's going to uh, win that. I think if it's not Rune, it's going to be very open. 
maybe Manarino goes for another title, who knows, the second seed. And in Antwerp, we have a lot of excitement as well because Tsitsipas yeah. can play Striker in the second round. That would mm-hmm. be a rematch for their, uh, US, for Open their US Open. Yeah, second round. Third round? Second round? Oh, well, Second round. Second round. Or third, yeah, second round. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of exciting young players as well, like Lyle and Nardi getting wildcards, which was quite surprising in a Belgian ATP 250, but also Fils, Maroshan, so... Lots to follow. Maybe Amlenard Struff can get his first uh, ATP Tour title. Yeah, who knows? I'm always yeah. looking at it, but like his draw is pretty nice. He plays Nidernechor Gaston, then potentially Gasquet, Borges, or Kepfer. So like to the semis, it's very open for him, I think, and even the the other um, quarter. Yeah, we, we have open. some. We have some of the highest ranked player without a title there. Uh, that's also, uh-huh. uh, also Davidovich Fokina. Oh yeah, that's in, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's in, that's in Stockholm, but, but uh, yeah, yeah. In Stockholm, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I actually uh, forgot that he doesn't have a title yet, and even this year, you know, it feels like a very good season for him, and he only has one semi, right? A, a big semi, but still. Yeah. Yes. Right. The the, the semi was in uh... um, Toronto. Yeah. Toronto or Montreal? Toronto. Toronto. Oh, yeah, Canada. Yes, wasn't against that... Deminor. Against Deminor, yes, the semi. That wasn't the semi? Yeah, I, think, I thought it was. Yeah, it was in the semi. Yeah. Um, so there's also uh, today, uh, by the way, I, I have to mention a very exciting qualifying match in Antwerp between two Belgians, Alexander Blocks and Gilard Nobani. Yeah, also quarter in Indian Wells. Yeah. Uh, so so if you want a glimpse for the future, watch Bailly against Blocks today because Bailly was the runner-up at the mm-hmm. 2022 um, Ran Garros Juniors and also the 2022 US Open Juniors, whereas Blocks won the Australian Open this year. So there's a lot of um, recent Grand Slam Junior success and these two guys are actually going to play each other for uh, the, um, yeah, in order to advance to the uh, to the main draw of the, the ATP 250 in Antwerp. So that's that's a pretty huge match. I, I do think that Blocks probably is the, you know, the more promising player going forwards. He also had a shorter match yesterday, a more impressive win as well. So he is probably the yes. favorite, but that's a bit of a, um, yeah, chance to, to just catch a bit of a glimpse into the future for sure. And in general, the, the, the Belgians yesterday in the qualifying did very, very well. Uh, anything else, really? Yeah, since just, you know, a little weird to watch all these um, Belgian young guys in the qualies uh, and then looking at the wildcards in, in the main yeah. draw. But, yeah. It's... Some management deals for sure, right? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Zizou, sure. Zizou Bergs was also in the qualifying. I thought maybe he and Delors were going to get the last wildcards. But apparently there are some deals there. I don't know if they, sh- they could have, can afford it really, right? I mean, Belgium is not a country with many top events like mm-hmm. you only have Antwerp and on the challengers you only got Otinielu von Lanev this year I think yes. it's the only Belgian challenger so um yeah they shouldn't be pulling that off but, but they are but at the same time if you just disregard nationality Nardi yeah. and Royal are very good picks obviously I mean yeah yeah no that's sure yeah Super excited to watch Nard uh, Mun- uh, Layal against Munar today feels like a winnable matchup indoors mm-hmm. Why not? Then he could also play Fields in the second round. And Nardi is playing team, right? Team. So, so that's very winnable for, for Luka as well, um, given how, how team played in Bratislava and, you know, given his current state. Yeah, if probably... I'm not wrong, uh, Nardi uh, got uh, the first main draw match ATP in Antwerp uh, through mm. a wild card in 2020, if I'm not oh, wrong. Oh, so, so, so he also... Had a wild card in Antwerp in 2020. That's I, I'm sure that he played his first ATP match outside of Italy, and if I'm not wrong, it was in Antwerp. Tw- Let me check that. Two, 220 not. would be the Antwerp where Zizou Bergs uh, killed everyone, right? But <laughs> I mean, he he just uh, became the huge headline. So I don't remember Nardi, but you're right. Uh, he played against Marcos Giron. That's actually pretty wild that he has already played it twice with a wild card Antwerp. Um, but yeah, that's exactly what happened. Marcos Giron, and he actually took a set. I don't remember that mm-hmm. at all. He must have been like 17 back then. So, yeah. And um, I think even 2021 was not a strong season for Nardi. So a little surprised by that. But of course, that's the sort of um, expectations that people had for him after the junior days. And, you know, he is getting there. He is getting there. Zizou breaks on the screen, roaring, <laughs> but he actually lost in the qualifying lost. yesterday to Tituan Droguet. I would have believed you if you told me that Zizou Bergs was going to be the only Belgian to win 
in the qualifying yesterday. But he was actually the only Belgian to lose. To because, lose. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. Blogs beat Majedovic. Big upset. Bayi beating Yamas Ruiz maybe not so much. And also on Klen taking out Cressy. I thought that was a, a bit yes. of a surprise as well. Max has been a little... Um, well, since, since winning that first challenger when he came back and sort of making us think that he was going to do that on a regular basis, he actually still has a lot of work to do if he wants to be in the Australian Open mm-hmm. main draw automatically. He might fight for the um, Australian Open wild, wildcard challenge, right, for the USDA as well. But, but we'll see about that. Um, so, yeah, any finishing thoughts? Mm, well, we we'll just say that we have to enjoy a lot of tennis, it seems. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Three ITP ITP events. I think you've already had the WTA weekly yesterday, but then then the, uh, on that side of the world, you also have a couple of them in uh, Monastir. Well, three of them as well: Nanchang, Monastir, and yes. Cluj. Uh, John will be going to Monastir, as he already said in the chat. He also says that uh, Tsitsipas is playing doubles in Antwerp, of course, with his best doubles partner, Petros Tsitsipas. Um, and yeah, let's see how they do against Reyes Varela and Fernandez. Anyway, that's not what I'm going to be watching this week. Definitely not. I think, uh, <laughs> no, me, I st- me neither. <laughs> I still haven't put on any tennis today. I think Tokyo probably will escape me, but I'm definitely catching Munar Layal that I know. And also, uh, yeah, that blocks um, Bali match that I, what I mentioned as well. Yeah, I watched the, um, while I was do- having... You know, after my my early morning appointment, I watched the second uh-huh. set of Zverev Thompson. Okay, mm. and what happened there? I, I'm curious because I actually don't know at all. Uh, well, um, I think as what I heard that in the first set Thompson was playing incredibly good. Second set, what I watched, um, he was playing a good match, but. Zverev didn't really look like like himself, honestly, and he was mm-hmm. struggling a lot uh, with we, especially with his forehand. Um, was really struggling to to hit deep, and even uh, from the backhand side, I was expecting a lot more uh, from him. Uh, and no, it was not just because you know of Thompson. Uh, trying to mix things. It, it was superior also from the baseline today. And it was kind of surprising for me to watch. Yeah, great win for Jordan Thompson. And I'm sorry, Alexander Zverev, but you lost your right to be called the top five <laughs> level player due to Andrei Rublev actually uh, probably emerging in front of you. So uh, you have to start stop losing in the first round, Alexander Zverev, <laughs> if you want to get back under. <laughs> this is the message for you. Yes, uh, I, I love Jordan Thompson's imp- improvements over the last few years, but this is a match that, you know, if you want to be called a top five player, you, you kind of have to be winning. Anyway, um, that's going to be it then. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys. To, thank you to all the ones in the chat who commented, even someone who said that one people viewed a minute ago. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it was about, but uh, but uh, thank you to, uh, to to that person as well. And uh, yeah, uh, thank you, Mario, of course. Yeah, thank you. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Podcast Network.